the book of Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to not keep you very long tonight, Genesis chapter 25, but I do have a message on my heart. I pray the Lord will, uh, will help us. I pre- the Lord gave me this message last week, and I preached it up at Brother Simpson's, so uh, Sister Terrell, you're just going to get a rerun, but that'll be all right. Amen. I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach it uh, here tonight, and so may the Lord help us. Amen. Genesis chapter 25, and we'll begin reading in verse number 29. Verse number tw- 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to help us these next few moments. Lord, I pray that you give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray, God, that you would move tonight in a mighty way. You know every heart, every need that's represented. Make the message real to our souls tonight. God, may it change us and challenge us for eternity's sake. And we'll love you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice with me in this passage of Scripture that the Bible mentions these two brothers here by the name of Jacob and Esau. And when you think about these two brothers in our text, there's a lot of things that chapter 25 tells us about these two brothers. It talks about their, ver- their birth in verse number 24 and 25. And when her days uh, to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The Bible said the first came out red all over like an hairy man and they called his name Esau. And so it talks about their birth. And then it talks about their bitter rival in verse number 26. The Bible said, and after that came out his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. Now, if you know anything about the life of Esau and Jacob, you know that it was a life of of contrast and division and even hatred for many, many years. Uh, Jacob had deceived Esau and, and stolen his birthright. And because of that, there was a bitter rival. But it didn't start with the birthright. The bitter rival started at the very beginning. It started in the womb, amen? as they were being born. Jacob grabs hold of Esau's heel. And so the competition between these two brothers uh, began before they even entered into this world. And then we see their boyhood in verse number 27. And the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter and man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And so the Bible talks about uh, the difference between these two boys. I think there's a lesson in verse number 27 for every parent as a reminder that no two children are the same, so therefore no two children ought to be compared amongst each other, amen? They're different individuals, they have different talents, different abilities, uh, and so they have to be dealt with as God deals with us on an individual basis, amen? And so we see their boyhood. But when we come to verse number 28, we see their blemishes. Notice the Bible said here that Isaac loved Esau, why? Because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. If you want to know where the problem started in these two boys' life, it did not start with them, but it started with their parents. 
There's a bitter rival between them. But may I say, uh, if you look at the great patriarchs of the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's one underlying common denominator. Even though this is a great family of faith with a covenant and a promise upon their life, but yet it seems like they cannot get past uh, uh, this thing about favoritism. They always had to have one, it seemed like, that was favored over the other. And the blemish here is not with the boys, but it's with the parents, amen? I'm not preaching on that, but again, it's a good reminder to us that how we treat our children may have everything to do with how they treat each other and how they treat others out in this world. The Bible says here that Isaac loved Esau because uh, he did eat of his venison. I want to say this tonight. We ought to not love people for the natural things that they can do in our life to satisfy us. Amen. He loved Esau not out of a heart of genuine love but because he brought something to him. Have you ever met somebody that they just love people for what they can get out of them. They love them for what they can do for them. You know, I don't want to be that kind of person. Amen. I mean, we may have a lot of faults and we may have a lot of failures, but we ought to be genuine in how that we treat people and how we love people. And we ought to be good to people, not for what we can get, but for what we can give. Amen. So we see here the blemishes, but then we come to this text tonight and it deals with the birthright. The birthright. Notice the Bible says here in verse number 31, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Verse 32, Esau said, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Verse 34, the latter part, thus Esau despised his birthright. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on don't sell your birthright. Don't sell your birthright. You say, when I preach her, what is a birthright? What's the big deal about a birthright? Well, I want to say a birthright means something in this text. You say, what does it mean? Yeah, I want to say the birthright, it represents, first of all, the father's honor, amen? In other words, this birthright was given from the father, passed down to the first son. Now, these boys were born at the same time. They were born on the same day, but they did not possess the same birthright. There was a birthright given to Esau. He was the firstborn, and so Isaac is going to give him a blessing. It represents the father's honor to have that birthright was a part of that father's honor. Then secondly, it represented a family heritage, amen? You see, God had made a covenant with Abraham and that covenant was to be passed down from Abraham and to Isaac and providentially even unto Jacob. But the problem in the text is this. Esau did not have to sell his birthright. That was never the will of God for him to do that. And Jacob did not have to steal the birthright. God can give us what we need when we need it and we never have to do it a deceptive thing to do the right thing. Can I get a witness right there? God was big enough to keep his promise and keep his covenant without Esau getting out into sin and selling out and without Jacob doing wrong to obtain that. So the birthright represents the family heritage. It represents the covenant and the promise that God had made with Abraham and that was being passed down. It also represented financial help. You see, the one that had the birthright, what that represented was 
was that when the father died, that son, that firstborn that had that birthright, he got a double portion of that father's wealth. And so there was great financial help that was in that birthright. It represented the family heritage, the father's honor, the financial help. But then I wanna say tonight, it not only represented that, but it represented a future hope because the promise of the birthright in the life of Abraham was that the Messiah would come through his seed. I mean, when you consider what this birthright meant, I mean, it meant that God was going to bless the individual that had it financially. It meant that God was gonna bless them spiritually. It meant that God was gonna bless them with their father's honor and a family heritage. I mean, that birthright really meant something. And tonight, we that are saved, you know what we are? We're the children of God. Isn't that right? When we got born again, we got born in the family of God. And just like the birthright is given to that firstborn, as the songwriter said, he loves me like I was his only child. You see, God gives us birthrights tonight as the children of God. He's put his blessings and he's made his covenant with every one of us tonight. He's promised to give us the financial needs and help and aid. He'll take care of us through this walk of life. Thank God our future hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like theirs was. We have a heritage, amen, to be saved by grace, to be born again, to be a part of the family of God. It is a father's honor, the fact that God would love me and love you and save us and call us a part of his family and call us his father tonight. I mean, that is a birthright of all birthrights. And while we cannot lose our salvation, what we can do is do what Esau did. We can sell out. We can give away. We can treat very uh, casually what God has invested and given to us tonight. There's a lot of people that have sold their birthright in these days. When we think about this text tonight, I look at what Esau did. You've got to ask yourself this question. Esau, why would you sell your birthright? If that birthright meant a father's honor, family heritage, financial help, future promise and hope of a Messiah, why would you sell that? And why would you sell it for what you did? Why would you sell it for something so temporary, something so cheap as a bowl of pottage, amen? I mean, it doesn't look like a good deal to me at all. And when I was reading that one day, I thought, Esau, why would you sell your birthright? I want to give you four reasons tonight in this text why he did that. And before I say, give these four reasons, the same question has to be asked about people that God saves, puts them in a good church, gives them a good heritage, puts a blessing upon their life, puts them in a good place. They're promised that he's going to take care of them. They're promised that he, he will meet every need that they have and, and so much more. And yet, just like Esau, they sell out. You see, if the devil can't get you to burn out or blow out, he'll just get you to sell out. He'll offer you something tonight that he'll put on you. My dear soul preacher, I'll never sell my birthright. I want to say tonight, there's been a lot of them that said that from this pulpit, from the pulpit to the pew. They've sold their birthright. Why would Esau do such a thing? I wanna say, first of all, look with me in verse 29. I believe he sold his birthright simply because he was faint. 
The Bible said in Jacob, in verse 29, sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and notice this, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. If you wanna know what caused Esau to sell his birthright, it was because he was about to faint. He got weary, he got tired, he got to the place where his body was weak. Listen, he was about to faint. In Galatians chapter six and verse number nine said, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if what? We faint not. He said, well, preacher, how do you keep from fainting? Luke chapter 18 and verse number one. And he spake a parable unto this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you wanna keep from fainting in this hour, you're gonna need to spend time in prayer. You're gonna need to be in connection with heaven, amen? The reason Esau fainted, my friend, number one was because of the field. Look at verse 29 again. The Bible said, and Esau came from the field. Now Jesus said the field is a type of this world. Isn't that right? And living in this world, we, we may not be of this world tonight. Doesn't mean that you're out necessarily getting out and living a worldly life. But can I tell you, just going in and out of this world, week in and week out, just being about the day, just being uh, in, the, uh, in the community, just living, uh, just living life in this world. If you and I are not real careful, we'll get to the place where we're about to faint. We'll let a job suck the life out of us. Uh, We'll let problems and pressures of life uh, suck the life out of us. Uh, We'll let school suck the life out of us. Uh, If we don't pray, uh, just the daily routine of life uh, can cause us to faint, amen. You know, I've never seen a time when people are more busier than what they are now. Everybody's busy, is that true tonight? Don't die on me, please don't die on me. I want to say tonight, listen, everybody, and if you're not careful, if you don't have a walk with God, you'll get weary. We tell you, weariness is every bit as dangerous as worldliness. You may be here tonight and say, well, I don't drink and chew and and spit and run with those who do, and hey, that's all commendable, but I'm gonna tell you something. If the devil can't get you worldly, he'll get you weary, friend, and to a degree, we all may battle that uh, to some degree, but I'm here to tell you tonight, a perfect example of that would be in the life of Samson. When you think about Samson, Samson was a worldly man. He was a very carnal man. He was a saved man, but whenever Samson laid his head in in Delilah's lap, and you think about at the time that she cut his hair and Samson lost his strength. There wasn't nothing, listen, there wasn't nothing sexual about that at that moment. I know that Samson had a problem in that area, but listen, Samson came in, he was weary, he was tired, he laid his head down in her lap like a little baby lays his head or a little toddler lays his head in a mother's lap and she stroked his hair and Samson went to sleep. That's what Judges 16 and verse 19 says and she made him sleep upon her knees. I wanna say tonight, Samson just went to sleep. Delilah just cradled him up. He let his guard down, not because he was doing wickedness at that moment, but because he got weary, amen. You see, if you and I are not careful, we can be doing a good thing and we can get weary. We can't run in our strength. We must run in the strength of God. I wanna say that he was faint. The field called, caused him to faint. His flesh caused him to faint. Look at verse number 30. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. I'm gonna tell you, you better be careful who feeds you tonight. Amen. Amen. 
Better be careful uh, who's putting something in you. Amen. Be careful what you swallow. Amen. Be careful what you take in. I'm telling you, the flesh uh, will get so hungry, it'll consume just about anything. You get hungry enough and just about anything tastes good. Amen. You get hungry enough, you'll be willing to eat just about anything if you get to the point of starvation. You know why? Because when the flesh gets an appetite, it don't let up and it don't quit until it is satisfied. You say, well, preacher, what do you do with the flesh? You gotta starve the flesh, amen? How do you starve the flesh? Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, amen? Don't feed the flesh tonight. Listen, don't give provision for the flesh. I'm telling you, you and I cannot handle this flesh tonight. It is worldly, it is wicked, and it is worthless tonight, and we are wrapped, our soul and spirit is wrapped up in it tonight, and if if we don't keep it in check and keep it under control, it will get out of control, amen. Never have confidence in the flesh. You know, I'll tell you how to treat the flesh tonight. Treat the flesh like your greatest enemy because it is tonight. He was faint because of the flesh. He was faint because of the field. He was faint because of the food. Notice he said that same red pottage. He sold his birthright because he had tasted that pottage before. Jacob knew what it tasted like. Look at me tonight, young people. You better hear this. You ever get a taste of sin, you're going to have to pray for a double portion of the grace of God to never go back into it. It's far better to have never tasted it than to get a taste of it. Don't ever look at somebody and say, well, I wish I could do what they are doing. I wish I could have what they're having. I'm gonna tell you what they're having may look good and it may seem good on the surface, but I'm gonna tell you what it becomes is bondage. It becomes slavery. You say, how does it become slavery, preacher? It looks so good. I'll tell you how it becomes slavery because number one, it never satisfies you and it keeps you craving it and it causes you to crave it in an unnatural way in the way that God did not want to intend for you to ever possess it or have it and you'll keep wanting to go back for it and if you can't have it, you'll long for it uh, and it'll eat up your soul and it'll deprive your spirit. Uh, I'm telling you, it's nothing but a chain is what it is uh, uh, to have never known and never tasted it uh, and to only taste something in the will of God uh, will bring you great peace and great satisfaction. And my friend, if it's God's will and it's God's way, uh, there's joy and there's peace in it. But if God doesn't want me to have it, I don't want to poke it in here, amen. I don't want to feed this flesh tonight, amen. Isn't that right? You know, one time I remember I was sitting down at dinner, uh, dinner table with a bunch of preachers and they talked me into uh, ordering this prime rib. And uh, I like steaks. I like about any kind of steak. And, uh, but this was cooked a little bit different and they said, oh man, you're gonna love it. And so I took, I took one bite of it and it did. It tasted good, but some just said, you, you don't need to eat this. Might have been God. And uh, had too much blood in it for me if you wanna know the truth of the matter. Well, I paid 20 bucks for it, so I planned on eating every bit of it. Somebody say amen right there. And if you like to eat raw meat, help yourself, amen. I mean, you know, I can't help it if you're weird. I mean, just go ahead. <laughs> but you know what? I ate that steak. They said, man, wasn't that great? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I ate it because I paid for it. Man, I was sick as a dog that night. And I made my mind up, I, I wasn't gonna eat that no more. 
I'm not a cannibal. I, I don't have to eat raw meat. And, and, and you know, I, don't, I know life's in the blood, so I don't want to eat blood. Amen. I, you say, oh, you must like it like shoe leather. Cook it like shoe leather and baptize it in some good A1 or some 57. I'll be all right. Amen. But I like it dead, don't you? I, I don't like to hear no sounds while I'm chewing. Amen. I just like it as dead as dead can be. But you know what? I got a taste of that. And my flesh said, go on. But something else said, ah, you don't want to eat that like that. Uh, I'm going to tell you something tonight, friend. That's the way it is with sin tonight. Uh, you get a good taste of something. And when you're tired uh, and when you're weary, you don't make good decisions. We don't make good, we don't pass good judgment. If the devil can ever get us weary, he can get our flesh out of kilter. He can get our flesh off guard. Uh, you'll make some decisions that you'll regret the very rest of your life tonight. Amen. Hey, don't you sell your birthright. Don't you sell your purity. Don't you sell your holiness. Don't you sell your innocency. Don't you sell your virtue. Don't sell your virginity. You keep it right all the days of your life. You walk down this wedding aisle with no regrets, thank God. You walk down with a clear conscience. You say, Brother Gravely, there's grace. I know there is. But why would you want the scars? Why would you want to walk down this aisle with the regrets when you don't have to? I'm saying don't ever taste of it. Hallelujah. And I'm not just preaching to them. I tell you, don't you ever taste of pornography. Somebody say amen. You know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And cursing was a second language in our house. Now, if I cursed my mom and dad, if I ever cursed, they'd have knocked my teeth plumb out of my head. I'd been picking them up for the next 10 years, you know. But they cursed all the time. And it was always cursing on television, cursing so much that it was just, a, it, we never even thought about it. And I'll tell you something, I thank God. I thank both of my parents for one day. They were lost. They never will let me watch any nudity growing up. I mean, I'm talking about they were lost. It wasn't right to hear that cursing. But I'm telling you, they never let me see anything, any nudity growing up. I told my mother a few years ago, I said, Mom, I don't know why you did that. She said, well, I just felt like it was wrong. She said, I just felt like it wasn't right. And, and I said, well, thank you. I said, you didn't know what God was doing. I said, but God, uh, call, uh, we didn't, I didn't know God would call me to preach. I said, but all them years, uh, you kept that, uh, that filth out of my mind. And I can stand here tonight, thank God. I'm not telling you uh, that I've not ever had a wicked thought. Uh, but I am telling you tonight, uh, I'm glad they didn't let my mind become a trash heap uh, to pour the set pools uh, of this old sinful world in it tonight. I'm glad I don't have to battle those images uh, and think about those things. God knows I battle enough. Amen. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like uh, and I know God will give you grace and God will help you if you've fallen in that pit but you hear me tonight. Uh, listen, don't you sell out your purity. Husband, you got a good wife. Uh, you better stay off the internet if you got that problem. You better come clean and get honest with God. You ought to not have a magazine somewhere. Somebody say amen. You ought to not never watch a dirty movie. Listen, you ought to not never watch a half-naked woman somewhere. You better not take a second glance at something. You ought to not look at I just feel like I ought to preach on that. I'm talking about, friend, hey, if you got something on your phone that don't need to be on there, throw it in the river, amen, and just go on and live life. Hallelujah. That's right. Brother, stay away from that mess. Make yourself accountable to your spouse. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna preach on this. Thomas Black got my phone the other day and took 20 ugly pictures of himself. 
and I was up in, I was in North Carolina sitting in a motel and I turned it on and I, and I went to look for a picture and it, and it's a little bit dark in that motel room and I'm telling you, it frightened me. I said, Lord, these, these Halloween pictures all in my phone, how'd they get there? You know what? I told you I'd get you for it, amen. 1975's the, the code on it. So I wouldn't tell that. You know what? I don't want to have no secrets in that area. No secrets in that area. It's a, it can be a tool, but it can be a deadly tool for the devil. You want to keep yourself accountable. I'll tell you, if I was a teenager, I would never care about having a cell phone. I'd just live my life and enjoy my life. I know they're necessary at a point, but thank God. As long, I'm going to tell you something. As long as you can live without one, you better thank God you can. How many of y'all, how many of y'all really wish we didn't have cell phones? Come on now. Amen. You saw a preacher. I couldn't survive without my cell phone. You survived all them other years. You made it all them other years. I mean, y'all remember when pagers came out? I preached against pagers when they came out. Every preacher I knew started getting paid. They said, oh, get you. I said, what do I want a pager for? Oh, so people can page you. Man, I found myself running somewhere, finding a phone all the time. I kept that about three months. I said, I don't need that mess, amen. I turned that thing in too, amen. I'm just simply saying, I, I, listen, I don't know how I got off on all that, but I sure am glad I did. I'm talking about thinking tonight. Hey, a lot of things, a lot of devices, a lot of things in this world, the devil's just waiting for an opportunity for you and I to get a little bit weary, to get in a place like Esau was. He sold his birthright because he was faint, Amen. Then I want to say, secondly, he sold his birthright because he was framed. Look at verse 30. Verse number 30, the Bible says, and, uh, and ja- verse number 31, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, verse 29 said that Jacob sawed pottage. It's no coincidence that Jacob was making this pottage whenever Esau came in. That wasn't chance or circumstance. But Jacob set him up. And it's interesting, the person who framed him in verse number 31 was his own brother, his own family member. You gotta be careful who'll cause you to sell out. Sometimes it can be the people you love the most. It can be somebody dear to your heart. As a young person, as an adult, if you're not careful, if your children start going a different way, you'll sell out every conviction you've ever taught them. I think that's a tragedy. Can I get a witness on that? He said, well, well, they're not going the way that I raised them. They may not, but don't you go the way they go. I think it's hypocrisy at the highest level. They know what it is. You're never gonna win them by spending a lifetime of their lifetime telling them what is right. And then if they choose to go the wrong way, you go with them. That just tears down everything you ever taught them. They not only don't have confidence in what you said, they won't have confidence in anything. You would be far better to just stand where you've always stood when you first started standing and just let them know that this is right, this is real. And if they err from it, thank God they've got something to go back to. But what happened here is this is a setup. Esau is coming in from the field. Jacob is getting things ready. I want to tell you the devil will always put something hot on the fiery cause, a stove of hell, just to have something hot and ready to get you to sell out at any time. He'll keep something ready all the time. And it's interesting, the person who framed him was his brother. Even in a church, you have to be careful, don't we? 
that we don't follow the personalities of people, that we don't allow the influences of people to pull us in the wrong direction. I've seen this in church and I've actually prayed, God let this person get right or move them out. I've seen people come to this church, I don't think there's a person here like this now, thank God. But I have seen people come, come for years. And it seemed like all they wanted to do was get close to somebody. And as soon as they got close to them, they left. It was a pattern. And I think God would show you that. They never left, but everybody they got close to left. And after a while, the Lord lets you see that. I say, Lord, let that person get right. There's something wrong there. When everybody they get close to starts drifting away from the church and leaves. So he was framed by the person. He was framed by the preparation in framing him. Notice the word sod. It means to boil. Jacob prepared the dish. Then notice the pointedness in framing him. Look at verse 31. He makes no bones about it. He looks at Jacob, or he looks at Esau and he says, sell me this day thy birthright. He, he, he makes no apology about what he's after. And I want to tell you tonight, look at me. The devil is after your birthright tonight. The devil is after our heritage. The devil is after this church tonight. Oh, it scares me to death. The devil's after me as a pastor. We may look strong and we may look bold on the outside, but we're no match for the devil tonight. The devil is always willing to make a bargain if you're willing to cut a deal tonight. I want to say he sold his birthright because he was framed. He sold his birthright, look at verse 32, because he was famished. Look what he said. And Esau said, behold, I'm at the point, I'm at the point to die. Esau said, I'm about to die. Esau, now we know he wasn't really going to die. You ever went in and sat down and said, man, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. How many, I can look at, tell by looking at some of y'all, and you can me too, you said that. Man, if I don't get something, I'm telling you, if I, honey, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to pass out. You better hurry. You better, man, turn that, turn that oven up to 600, amen. Let's get it going. Let's get the fire going. I may not be here by the time you get that meal cooked. I, I mean, you know, when you're hungry, I mean, you want to eat something right then. You go through a drive-thru and you order everybody a meal. The person with the bag just starts reaching in and, Digging stuff out and eating it. Don't that make you mad? I mean, roll that bag up till we get home. Kids used to do that. Amen. We'd tell them, I said, get your fingers out of that bag. Amen. Act like we're going to starve to death is how we act like. You know what we're saying? The flesh is hungry. And I'm going to tell you, he was famished. He was at the point that he felt like I got to have something right now. That's the way the flesh is. It doesn't want to wait for anything. It demands to be fed. Our flesh is constantly craving something in this world. He was hungry for anything that would satisfy the flesh. If you want to know tonight how much this birthright meant to Esau, I'm going to tell you how much it meant to him. It, didn't, it wasn't even worth a bowl of pottage to him. My friend, he was so hungry. He said, I'll give you anything you want, Jacob, for a bowl of that red pottage that you're making. You know, that's the way the flesh is. You may look at sin today and say, man, I'm not going to go out and get drunk. 
drunk. I'm not going to go out and commit adultery. No, preacher, I'm not going to go out and start looking at pornography or doing anything like that. You know why that is? Your flesh isn't hungry enough right now. And I'm telling you, if that flesh ever gets hungry enough, it'll sell out almost anything or anybody to get what it wants. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, you better put it on the cross and crucify it. I better put it on the cross and crucify it. Don't ever let it get famished. It'll go crazy if you do. He was famished. His wife sold it. And then let me say this. He was faithless. Look at verse 32. The Bible said, And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. Look what he said. What profit shall this birthright do to me? I mean, think about it, Esau. The Bible says he was a profane man. Esau was a man that the birthright never meant anything to him in the beginning. The covenant, the blessing, the promise of the Messiah, that never meant nothing to Esau. He was a profane man. The spiritual things that that came along with this birthright, the covenant that God had made with Abraham and Isaac, it meant nothing to Esau. Esau didn't have a spiritual bone in his body, and so he could just walk away from it like it was nothing. What does it profit me? It would have profited him everything. But I want to tell you something. His heritage, uh, his, uh, his father's honor, all of the future hope that was promised and wrapped up in that birthright. It never meant anything in the beginning and it didn't mean anything in the end. You want to know why some people can grow up in an old-fashioned King James Bible believing church all of their life and when they get 18 or 19 or 20 years old, they can walk out the door and never come back and go to some contemporary mess or walk away from their parents, walk away from the principles that they've been taught, throw everything out the window. You want to know why they can do that? Because it never meant anything to them to begin with and it doesn't mean anything to them now and it doesn't matter how much their parents cry doesn't matter how much they weep it doesn't matter how hard the preacher preaches they sold out a long time ago does this mean anything to you tonight does that King James Bible mean anything to you tonight I'm telling you, it means something. When somebody, Brother Danny was talking about it this morning when somebody starts correcting the Bible it, 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 it upsets me I had a book I bought from a, a, a man that has wrote several books and several good books, but then he wrote this one book, a commentary on one of the books of the Bible, and it was a great commentary, but in the appendix at the end, you know what he did? He spent seven pages telling, correcting the King James Bible. Huh. I'm not burning, I paid too much for it. I'll tell you what it did do, I cut the pages out of it. And I thought I saw the other day some yucky stickers. And I thought, I'm gonna order me a whole book of yucky stickers. And every time I read something on a mess like that, I'm just gonna put a yucky sticker right there. That way when I die, if my wife passes that on to somebody and they read something and they get to a yucky place in that book, they'll know, well, that's, that's terrible. Don't read that, amen? I mean, hey, if, listen, son, I mean, if it means something when you attack that King James Bible. Hey, when you start, uh, listen, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. Uh, when you start making fun of people who believe uh, the Bible about dressing right and standards and, con- and living right and holiness and modesty, hey, that's offensive to me, amen? I'm about sick of that crowd, uh, 
that's always wanting to run around and bash people that want to live holy and clean. We know we're not sinless. We know we're not perfect. We just believe in putting your clothes on and being decent and being modest and covering your body and not wearing something too too tight, amen. Not wearing something that reveals the flesh. And there's a lot of people say, oh, well, you think you're better, you're holier than thou. No, we don't. We just believe in the Bible. We just believe women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. We believe a man should not wear that which pertaineth unto a woman, nor a woman should wear that which pertaineth unto a man. We just still believe the Bible, amen. That offends me. It offends me when people get on social media. And they want to, they used to be in an old time church. And they leave it and they throw every conviction they got out the window. And you know what happens? We never say anything about them. But they're always attacking us. You know what they want to do? Why, you say, well, why do they do that, preacher? Number one, they're just like Esau. They despise that birthright. They didn't like that way of living to begin with. And then number two, they want to pull anybody they can in the direction that they're going. That offends me tonight. I hope it offends you tonight. I hope it bothers you tonight. You say, why? Because it means something to me. Holy living means something to me. Bible standards and separation mean something to me tonight. I'm not acting like I got everything right. I'm just telling you, I thank God tonight. I'm gonna go on record and say I thank God tonight for every old time preacher like Brother Sammy Allen and Brother Stenet Blue and Brother Billy Goolsby and Brother Milton Taylor, all this and Brother Lester Roloff, all these great men of God and Brother Lee Robertson and on and on and Brother Edgar Thomas. I thank God for preachers that had a backbone like a saw log full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, live clean and live right and pray to heaven power down and they got up and they preached and they preached against sin and they preached on living right and they preached on dressing right and they preached on standards and they preached on separation and they kept us out of this world, hallelujah. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, listen, don't get quiet. If I, if don't, don't say amen when the preacher's preaching on salvation and the second coming and, and security and then he gets on separation and you get locked jaw. Start sitting around wondering who's gonna back him up. You ought to be the first one to back him up if you believe it, amen? You say, well, it's not popular. Doesn't make no difference. It's Bible tonight, amen? Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Come out from among them and be a separate, amen? I'm telling you, we ought to live right and dress right. Our clothes ought to cover our body. Can I get a witness? And I'm telling you, if you wear a dress to the ground, to the ground I, I commend you for it as long as it isn't so tight. Come on now. Hey Amen, I'm telling you, I've seen some so tight it scared me literally to death. You ever been like that? I mean, they drop, a, they drop something and bend over to pick it up and I mean, I'm sweat beads are on my, top of my forehead. Hey Amen, gotta be some strong material, doesn't it? I'm talking about tent material, friend. Y'all don't act so sanctified tonight. It's just 10 after six. God help us in this society. Living right and living clean. I, I, I tell you, never been a day in my life I felt like I lived clean enough. I, I don't feel like I'm better than nobody else. I don't think I'm preaching to a crowd that thinks that. But I don't ever want to, I never want it to be said about here. 
that just anything goes in the choir. And I'm going to take it a step further. I, I don't believe in a, I, I believe in a, I, I believe if you sing up here, you ought to live right. Can I get a witness? But I don't buy into this platform standard where it's, if you sit out there and do what you want to do, up here's where we come. No, I believe if you're a member of the church, you ought to have convictions. You ought to care how, what you look like. When you, I don't know why God's got me preaching on it, but I'm going to preach on it. When you walk out there in the community, you represent the Lord. You represent Bible Baptist Church. You represent Christianity. And it all, being a member ought to matter. That's right. A lady, she asked me, she said, uh, she was very kind. She said, if we join the church, she said, can I sing in the choir? I said, sure, you can sing in the choir. She said, can I wear slacks if I sing in the choir? I said, no. And I was kind back to her. I wasn't mean to her. She was being honest. I said, no, ma'am. I said, you can't do that. I said, we don't do that here. And she said, how come? And I took her through the scriptures and I said, this is why. And she said to me, she said, I, she said, I don't think we can be a member here. I said, well, I said, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate the respect that you came to me and you asked me that. And I said, I really hate it. I said, we would love to have you. I said, the church loves you. We love you. And I said, I really wished you would reconsider. I said, we would really love to have you as a member of this church and, and your husband. And, and she was very, very nice. And nobody got mad. Nobody got upset. I didn't go to the pulpit and try to blow her out. I'm not talking about being me. I'm going to tell you something. It's sometimes, it's not always the stand. It's the spirit of the people that I have an issue with tonight. I don't know why the Holy Spirit wanted me to say all that, but I, I want to tell you tonight. Brother Paul said it this morning. You can rest assured on this. As long as we'll keep it right around here, God will meet with us. Is that right? We got to keep it right. We start lowering that standard around here. We'll lose everything we got. Well, people may not come like they used to. They may not. But I'd rather come to church and feel God as to have a house full and not feel Him. And we got a good crowd tonight, don't we? But it's still right, isn't it? Young people, don't you change your convictions when you get married. And don't you marry somebody that don't have the same convictions you have. Don't you, don't you, and let me just stop and say, don't you let them run around when they're, you start having, uh, you know, six months and year old, don't, don't start something that when they get older, you have to stop. That's confusing. Whatever the standard is, hold it, keep it. Don't sell your birthright. I, I want to say this, and I'm going to move on. I'm just about done. I was going to preach 20 minutes tonight. Let me just say this. That matters. It matters that the preacher wears a tie and a jacket when he gets behind the, behind the sacred desk and preaches. And you got a crowd today that says, oh, a tie don't make you a preacher. I agree 100% with that. But it's a matter of respect for the office. Now, if we was out in the, 
in China or if we was out in the jungle somewhere. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't go out there in a three-piece suit and try to preach to them because they, that is, that's, not how, that's not their culture, is it? But I think you ought to wear, the, whether if, even if you were in Africa, I think you ought to wear the very best, and they do if you watch them. There's something to be said about that, that pulpit tonight. I'm not sell, we're not selling that birthright. We're not getting rid of the pulpit. We're not changing the music. Amen. I mean, listen, we're not going to, and I know Brother David feels the same way, we're not going going a different route. We're not selling those things. We're not going to try to go that way tonight. I, I tell you, I feel such a burden about that. Don't sell your birthright. Stay in an old fashioned, stay in this old fashioned church. Let the gray hairs come. Raise your children here to a ripe old age and wherever they go and maybe they'll stay here. Maybe they get married and life takes them in a, in a different direction. I don't know, but I'll tell you young people something tonight. If God's will doesn't take you somewhere else, have longevity in your church membership. Raise your children in this church. Uh, there's something to be said about just being in the same place and, and being steadfast. Uh, and this church needs another generation and thank God there's some young moms and dads here and I, I want to commend every parent here tonight that you're trying to raise your children in the old time way and you've not dipped your colors and you've not run to some mess out there but you've stayed with God and you've kept them under the right preaching. Hey, God's not gonna forget that. God's gonna be good to you for that. You just stay faithful and if some of your best friends go in a different direction, you may have to say goodbye. You may have to let them go but don't you sell out. Don't you give up what God's blessed you with. Your children's life depends on it. You stay with that birthright. Don't sell it. It's just pottage tonight. It's all it is. You see, he was foolish. The Bible said in verse 33, and Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. He was so foolish to do that. Do you realize there wasn't nothing wrong with pottage? There's no sin in eating pottage. The sin was in what it was going to cost Esau to get that pottage. You might be here tonight and say, well, preacher, there's no sin in what I'm doing, but what is it costing you? Don't sell your birthright. He was, he was furious. Look at the last verse, and I'm done. The Bible said in the latter part that Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink. Notice before the verse is over with, what he sold, what he gained is already gone. He rose up, notice the Bible said, he went his way and Esau despised his birthright. When people sell out, they always get bitter. They never get better. The Bible said Esau wept bitterly. I hope you didn't get mad at anything I've said tonight. I hope you know that I care enough to tell you the truth. I hope you know tonight that I care enough about this church. and I'm going to tell you something tonight, friend. Look at me. Look at me tonight. We're in a good place right now. There's a lot of churches They used to be like this. We're not the only one, but we're one of the few that's still left. There's a lot of churches they used to be this way. And they changed. They've sold out. It starts right here. 
in this place. Turning the dial just a little bit. You know, the devil will say a lot of times, if you just quit preaching this or that, if you just wouldn't mention this, if you just go on and you, there's a whole lot of Bible there to preach, if you just quit mentioning those one or two things, that's all he wants tonight. Sell that birthright. There's a lot of churches tonight that used to be like this. I, I'm thinking of some tonight that I told a preacher just the other day, we were talking about it. We were talking about the virus and he said to me, he said, Brother Gravely said, I don't know. He said, all right, we've lost some people due to the virus, but he said, it's amazing. He said, God's been blessing our church at the same time. I said, God's been good to our church too and I, I praise the Lord for that. But I want to tell you tonight, listen, a, a Baptist church is so fragile. You look around this place tonight, for 60 years God's met with us. Do you realize it wouldn't take 30 days for this place to turn upside down, to fold, to be empty, to have nothing? Not even 30 days tonight, friend. And all the devil needs is for some people to sell out. Don't sell that birthright. Young people, don't you sell what God's give you. You make your mind up if you hadn't already. You're going to stay in the old time way. Make your mind up tonight, Mom and Dad, if you hadn't already, and I'm sure you have because you're here. Make your mind up. When some of your best friends, when some of the people you work with, when some of your family members try to pull you in another way, don't you go that way. Don't you go that way.